Have you ever wondered what the heck is next for me? I hear a lot of women say they don't have what it takes to start something new or they are too old, but many women overcome all kinds of obstacles and then go on to something even better. Over the years, I've worked a lot of traditional jobs as well as direct sales businesses, but never realized the success I was hoping for until I released my emotional baggage. Once I had cracked the code of my emotions, I knew I could help other women do the same. Join us here as we chat with female experts as they share their inspirational stories and challenges in business and life, because it is never too late. I'm your host, Cora Naylor, and this is the Crack the Code podcast. Welcome back to the Crack the Code podcast. I'm so excited to have Terry Sarah back with us again. She was with us on episode eight um, and talking about her coaching business. And today we're going to get a little bit more background on her and how she got there because Terry has quite the background. Terry was a is a life coach and leadership coach. She's a speaker, facilitator, and business owner. She worked 39 years as a professional educator. She's currently on the Tulare City Council as a vice mayor. She's a mother of five, grandmother of 21, great-grandmother of five, and she's a community advocate for mental health issues and homelessness. So welcome back, Terry. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be back and to see you again, Cora. Yes, thank you. And I always, I just read your bio and I think, wow, it almost makes me exhausted just looking at that, but it's so great. I mean, I love learning stuff too. And I, you know, you hear women saying, oh, it's too late for this and too late for that. And if they haven't listened to your episode eight and know that you didn't even start your coaching business till you were 65, you know, it is really never too late. So maybe you can give us a little background on your story, how you got there, um, what happened on your journey. Sure, I'd be happy to. You know, when I was five years old, my mother asked me what I wanted to be. And I told her I wanted to be a teacher. And I wanted to teach kindergarten. I was in kindergarten, and so I wanted to teach kindergarten. And you know what? That was a trajectory of my life. I went through school. I went to college. And when I graduated, I taught kindergarten. So that was like kind of my life goal was to be a kindergarten teacher. And so I did that, and I was dedicated to my work sometimes absolutely neglected my family, but it's never too late to change that either. And uh, I was a workaholic and a perfectionist. And those two things can add up to, um, to a lot of drama and a lot of heartache. And so I had my, I had my greatest heartache when I was 49 years old and my husband committed suicide. So that was a wake up call for sure. Now I'm a single mother with five children, four of them still at home. And I began to really not enjoy my job anymore. It was like life had just dealt me this hand and I wasn't finding the same satisfaction, the same, you know, momentum and delight in my work. I threw myself into my work again uh, because I didn't want to deal with what was going on in my life. So I taught until I was 60. When I was 60, I just said, no, I can't do it anymore. And I walked away knowing full well that I wouldn't have enough income to live on. Uh, so when I left there, I mean, my, my uh, pension was, you know, I had a pension, but I would never be able to keep the lifestyle that I had had with that pension. So I had to work. So I went and I tried real estate. I, you know, I, th- I think I said this before. Mm-hmm. I tried a lot of different things. 
I also, my daughter became a life coach and I kind of liked that. And so that's how I got into life coaching. And then I started to go to my chamber and get involved in my city because never had time to do that as a teacher. And lo and behold, for some reason, God led me, (laughs) kept me on the shoulder and said, why don't you get into municipal government? I said, what? (laughs) Never anything I'd wanted to do. By this time, I'm 74 years old. And um, our city was kind of in chaos. We had almost every official head official in our city was an interim. And we had city council members that yelled at each other on the dais. Not a very, you know, good situation. And I think that's, you know, why I felt maybe a grandmother could come in there and straighten those guys out, you know. So at 74, I ran for city council. So far out of my comfort zone. So many risks that I had to take that I'd never taken before. Running a campaign, asking people for money, walking door to door and talking to people I didn't know. I figured God put me there because maybe I just needed to learn to be more courageous. I would learn some new skills. But when it got close to the election, I said, hmm, I want to win. So I did. And I've been on city council for the last four years. So I'm it'll be four years in January. So now I'm 77. I'll be 78 in January. I ran again because I'm an advocate for the homeless. During the pandemic, we could do nothing. We now have a homeless shelter that we're building. And it's really some, you know, some things are really happening. So I didn't want to, I wanted to see that through, you know, to the end. Nobody ran against me. So now (laughs) four more years, I'll be 82 when it's time for me to make that decision again. (laughs) (laughs) So it is, it's never too late. And I love what I've learned. Like you said, I'm a lifelong learner. And I think that's keeping your brain active, learning new things, communicating with people. You know, sometimes I can't find a word, but eventually I get there. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's so exciting to me. And I can't imagine not uh, learning new things and, and trying new things. And I'm real happy with my life right now. And uh, I heard on the news the other day that 76 is a life expectancy now. So I'm living on borrowed time, you know. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, you never know, though. We just had my mom's partner just had his auntie pass away, but she was 106 and she was still healthy. So, yeah, you never know. My mom turns turns 100 on November the 3rd. She's kind of my, uh, you know, my my test there. Well, I, I, you know, she's still healthy as well. So I just figure I've got good genes. Yes. (laughs) Definitely. So tell us a little more. Like, I know you've got a lot because you were a teacher, you've got your coaching. We talked a little bit about that of the previous time you were on here. Tell us some more about your work with the mental health, because I know that's so important right now with COVID and, you know, the experience you went through with your husband. Yes, yes. So much of that stuff going on. And maybe the other people out there would like to start something along those lines. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I think the whole nation is paying more attention to mental health. I think that's one thing that the pandemic did bring to people that may not have thought about it before. But mental health is now paid much more attention to in schools, in businesses. They're hiring uh, social workers, caseworkers to be on campus, to be in, you know, people in businesses that people can go talk to. Uh, This whole idea that we're not supposed to have emotions you know, men don't cry or strong women don't, you know, it's just a fallacy because we're all vulnerable. We all in a moment's notice, our lives could change uh, for for any reason at all. So um, it took my 
I, I think I was more worried about my children than anything when my husband committed suicide because he was a model father and his children were very, very close to him. So it was a difficult situation. But about six years ago, which it's been 27 years ago when my, when my husband committed suicide, but when my youngest daughter, Kelly, who I'm in business with, yeah. decided to start a, start a foundation and uh, to draw attention to this epidemic of suicide in our society. And she calls it Break the Silence because there is a stigma around suicide. They think people are weak or they're sick or, you know, and there's so many reasons that people take their own lives. And um, that's been a wonderful opportunity to share information, both how do you survive as a survivor of someone in your family that you love who's committed suicide, as a survivor of an attempt to commit suicide, and also education to know what are the signs of suicide and how do you help someone? Because the largest mental health issue is depression. And again, there's a stigma that you're weak if you're depressed and that's not the truth. So getting education out there that mental health is just like any other kind of health issue. There are signs, there are ways to mitigate it. There are ways to recognize it and to help those who are suffering from mental health issues. So it's, it's become, I'm on the county task force for mental health as well as for homelessness. And so many of our homeless neighbors, because they are, have had trauma and they are now living on the streets, I don't know which comes first. It's kind of like the chicken and the egg. Mm. Homelessness and then the mental health issues, the mental health issues and the homeless, the addiction. And you know, it's such a traumatic uh, lifestyle people don't choose for themselves. And there's so much misinformation around homelessness as well. So as an educator, I just, you know, I felt called to help that landscape of education so that we can uh, help these people. I, there's more compassion sometimes and empathy around pets than there are around human beings. And we need to understand that the homeless and the people that suffer from schizophrenia, depression, anxiety, they're all human beings. And even though they make choices that we don't agree with, we can understand and, and support them with the services that they need and certainly with understanding and compassion. So that's kind of where I get on my soapbox. <laughs> my wow. kids say, don't ask mom about homelessness because you'll be here for two hours. <laughs> I know it's well, and it's a tough question, but it is nice if you, like you say, have a resource that people can go to because at least then you're talking to people who've been there, done that or experienced it and can be more compassionate or empathetic around whatever you have going on. Um, and is that like, I know you're in California, you're yes. Fresno, I think you said, right? Near Fresno, yes. Talk to you. And is that something that is just for your area or can people learn about that? Is it an online group or something or is you know, it there, more there, specific? There's a lot of information online. In fact, I was telling Cora, I was just on an, uh, um, what do they call it? They can't think what they call it now, but it was a conference, like a webinar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was, it was just for California, but it was about the homeless and what they're doing, what we're doing in California. But every state is working on that. But I'll tell you this one thing. It was called mantherapy.org. And if anybody's interested, I would suggest they go to that organization because they are doing amazing things all over the United States, targeting men because the highest number of suicides are men. The highest number of fatalities are very high on the side for men because men shoot themselves. Women tend to 
take poison or, you know, do something that you can come back from. When you shoot yourself, you don't come back. And so this is aimed at men. And it was fascinating, just fascinating. So, and if you go there, you'll get all kinds of resources for things that are all over the United States, because this is a pandemic. It's, and it's becoming, people are more aware of it because it's not such a stigma. And uh, people recognize now it's a part of the mental health arena, because now counties have included in their health departments suicide as a part of mental health reach out, you know, outreach, because it's no longer over here. Here's suicide and here's mental health over here. No, these are synergistic. And so they're bringing them together. And uh, I find that uh, that I just was fascinated with this uh, doctor that talked about this new program called Man Therapy, all one word, uh, .org. And is that for people who are looking for help or also families that maybe a bit? Okay. I think, but especially it's aimed at men. Yeah. So it's speaking men language, looking at, you know, because in our society, there's, there's been, um, there's that whole idea that men don't cry. Men are strong. Men will take care of the problems. You don't have to help me. You know, that asking for help is weakness. Uh, Don't be vulnerable because we don't have feelings. Right. So it's really it's done in a very humorous way because they asked men that survive suicide and they said, don't give us this, you know, make it funny, make it, you know, a, around men talk. Mm-hmm. And this organization started out by a woman whose brother committed suicide, who was a highly effective, you know, upstanding citizen, had his own business, but just didn't know where to go for help and could it finally got to be too much for him. So it is aimed at, at men in particular, which is the who's the highest at risk. So anyone that is interested in finding out more, uh, of course, you could just Google suicide prevention and you would find tons of information as well. Um, every county has a department of, and every county has a task force on uh, suicide prevention. Uh, so there's ample ways to volunteer, to uh, get into the education and get this information out there so that less, and especially I was telling Cora that the, the highest statistics in California are the t- between 10 and 18 year olds. Wow. That's so, incredible. Yeah. Suicide is not just adult issue. That's the highest rise in the last two years in uh, suicide in California has been the 10 to 18 year olds age bracket. Yeah. More women. So it's, it's coming down a little bit for men, but, and it's, white men. Now, men of color, it's going up. So it's the statistics are really interesting. So if you want to see about what a pandemic it is in our society, for people to just not be able to face life anymore. Yeah, yeah, it's sad. it it's is. Sad. It really, really yeah. is. Well, you know, congrats for helping out and for you guys creating your own support network for people, because it's definitely something that I think every society is looking at now, especially since the pandemic, because it's just even more. It's one of the fallouts from the pandemic. It really is. Yeah. Isolation, especially for kids. I mean, they're away from their friends. They can't, you know, it was really difficult for that age group, you know, especially really too much of time in kids' lives. You know, they're going through puberty, they've all these things that are happening to them physically as well as emotionally, you know. 
Yeah. It's a tough yeah. One. yeah. So thank you for the work that you're doing with them. And just to let our readers know if there are listeners know if they uh, have some questions, they want to get in touch with you, maybe about the coaching or even about your other work. Um, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? So the best way to get in touch with me is if they go to our website. Uh, I mean, I have a website as well, but fearlessgenerations.org. Uh, you can schedule an appointment or you can actually, and I think I, did I put my personal email in that list? Because yeah, yeah, people can email me directly. And if they're interested in anything, you know, anything that we do, but they can see what we do by going to our website. We have a lot of different opportunities to get individual coaching as well as group coaching, as well as I do every morning, I do a Terry talk, which is a one minute talk to help people be aware of uh, the different tools that you can use to, uh, to overcome your fear. And uh, we also do a podcast once once a week on Monday nights. And you so you can find all that information at generations.org. Awesome. And, uh, and people can contact me directly. Yeah, uh, that's probably yeah. the best way to get to me. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing all of this, Terry. I know you're going to be an inspiration for somebody who's trying to decide if they want to even take some baby steps and just know, you know, look at Terry, how much she has accomplished <laughs> in her life and what is possible. Yeah, so, it's never too late. Never too late. <laughs> yes, and I was just going to say, everybody, just always know that it's never too late. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please submit a rating and review and share us with your friends. Visit my website, coranaylor.com to learn more about the Emotion Code or sign up for my free virtual co-working sessions. 